Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're going into a Torah study uh, uh, on the life of Abraham. And Abraham, uh, if you stop and think about it, he may be the most influential person who ever lived, even more influential than Jesus in this regard, is that more than half of the people alive on planet earth today claim Abraham as their spiritual father, right? So there's Christians, Jews, and Muslims. So uh, through Abraham, uh, there's the revelation, the key revelation is there is but one true God. You don't need 50 gods, the God of earth, wind, and fire. I like the music, <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't like uh, the idea that people would worship earth, wind, and fire. <clears throat> How many of you know that Abraham really brought the Shema, the revelation of the Shema, even though he didn't speak it per se? Uh, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Who knows what that is? Hear, O Israel, listen up. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And in Mark 29 is... Uh, not Mark 29, Mark 12, 29, Jesus actually speaks the Shema in the New Testament. So people, well, well, why would you pray the Shema? That's a Jewish prayer. It's a New Testament prayer. Look it up. Uh, so we love the Lord. He is one God, and Abraham brought that revelation. Uh, and it really, uh, when Abraham bursts onto the scene, he brings uh, with him an anointing to change world history. Amen. He definitely changed Bible history. Uh, and if you, uh, as you remember, last week we learned it was ten generations from Adam to Noah. Uh, now it's twenty generations, ten more. Uh, from now from Adam to Abraham is 20 generations and yet mankind before the flood, after the flood is still struggling to experience a breakthrough. The world is still struggling because they have cast off the revelation of God's word. And as we said in early morning prayer, uh, that without the revelation of God's word, Proverbs 29, 18, people cast off restraint. But happy are those that keep the Torah, that keep the law, that follow God's divine principles. Uh, and 20 generations later, they still don't get it. It reminds me of uh, Back to the Future. McFly! Hello, McFly! Of course, that was me before Christ. I wasn't getting it. But then there was that drawing and that yearning that we've all felt that helped us come to our senses. But So now Abraham comes on the scene, 
And ancient wisdom says that this ends the era of desolation. And it brings in the era of the Torah. And that caught my attention, so I uh, started uh, uh, studying this a little bit more. And and, uh, this kind of ties in to the prophetic uh, track that we've been on as a church these last weeks with Pastor Larry. Uh, and uh, you might recall his teaching on the Sabbath millennium. I've taught on that too. In fact, the great Shabbat that we celebrate, the Shabbat before Passover, the great Shabbat is a shadow and a type of the seventh millennium. Uh, and ancient Jewish wisdom says the world is to be for 6,000 years. Right. 2,000 years empty without Torah. That's these 20 generations from Adam to Abraham. 2,000 years empty without Torah. Then it says 2,000 years with Torah. So that's from Abraham to Jesus is 2,000 years. And then it goes on to say, and then there'll be 2,000 years of messianic times. 6,000 years for the world, and then the seventh 1,000-year period is that seventh millennium. Revelation 21 calls it the 1,000-year reign of the Messiah. And that's coming. Amen. How many of you believe that that's coming? Amen. Uh, Ancient wisdom also teaches uh, six eons for going in and coming out. Those, uh, that word eons is thousand year periods. Six, one thousand year periods for coming and going for mankind. Uh, the seventh eon or the Sabbath millennium is entirely Shabbat. And rest, menuha, rest for life everlasting. So our Jewish brothers and sisters believe a lot like we believe, right? They see the timeline too. And this seventh millennium that we're talking about, and we've, uh, we've learned this recently from Pastor Larry, and we've taught it here through the years as well, the seventh millennium is rapidly approaching. Even though in Judaism it's uh, calculated... Uh, commonly, that we're now in the year 5781. Sounds like a Zager and Evans song, in the year 2525. 5781 from creation. So they began the count back then and uh, came up now with 5781. But the, the, uh, there's uh, new data being Publish new research on the missing years in the calendar. And pastor just taught that there's 230. It varies. It can be as uh, 200 up to 240 years. Uh, but uh, as Pastor Larry recently taught, that revised estimate is thought to be 213 years. And if you add the, the missing 230, why are there missing years? Because man didn't like the calendar the way it was, so they kept trying to change it. Jews tried to change it. 
uh, and popes tried to change it, and they were successful. Uh, in fact, did you know that New Year's Eve uh, wasn't always celebrated on January 1st? If you go back and do a little recon, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day was always celebrated at Passover. Because God said in Exodus 12, this shall be the beginning of months for you. And so for uh, a, a long, long time, way, way back, you'd need uh, a DeLorean with a full tank of gas. Uh, they, they would uh, uh, celebrate New Year's uh, in March. But anyways, if you add that 5781 from creation uh, with the 213, it equals 5,994. So if there's 6,000 years and the uh, calculations are correct, We're right on the precipice of the end of the 6,000 years. God said it, a day will be a 1,000 years, a 1,000 years as a day. Remember that scripture? There's one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. Well, that's just not like, oh man, those guys uh, had some bad hummus. And they just made something up. No, God is hinting. He's uh, showing us a mystery and a secret about creation modeling these six 1,000-year periods. And then the seventh day, the seventh millennium, is the Sabbath millennium where we rest uh, from all sin, all sickness, all sorrow, all the disruptions that the devil's tried to bring. All of that is history. And when you've been doing that for 10,000 years, it'll be like you just begun. Amen. So, um, our world is about to change. No man knows how this all could be calculated out precisely to the year, but we're close. More is being revealed. More research is being done by experts realizing, uh, as Tommy Boy once said, holy shnikes! We're at the seventh millennium. So uh, there's a lot for you and I to uh, prepare for. This isn't the time just to worry about natural things. This isn't the time to get overrun pursuing just natural things. A bigger bank account or a better car. Although I receive it and I want you to receive it. Because if we're delayed a few years, it's always nice to have a little extra coin in your pocket. We don't want our month running out uh, before the money, or we don't, we don't want our money running out before the month, is what I meant to say. So, we're studying Abraham, and I, I always have liked this uh, quote from Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, a great American writer and uh, philosopher. He said the two most important days of your life are when you were born and two, the day you find out why. Okay, so I was born last Wednesday, October 28th, 1954. If 
you know, imagine what a gallon of gas was like in 19, or a loaf of bread or a mortgage payment or how much did a car cost in 1954? Did I say 84? Yeah, 54. Still, I'm in denial here. <laughs> I got a Medicare card! What the heck am I doing with that? So... According to the great rabbinical scholars, Abraham was born on a very symbolic date that is emblematic of God's majestic plan for mankind. Abraham was born in 1948. 1948, 1,948 years from creation. Isn't that a mind blower? That's uh, It's just no coincidence that Abraham was birthed, the father of our faith, the father of Judaism, the father of the Jews, the first Jew. Uh, he was born in 1948, the same year that Israel was born in modern times as a nation uh, in 19, May of 1948. That's amazing. But there's something we need to understand about that. Because not only was Abraham born, remember Mark Twain, the day, and then the day you find out. In today's Torah study, uh, in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham out of Haran, out of his father's house, out of, out of his land, to an unknown destination. But this is when he finds out why he was born. And... Uh, he was 75 years old when God called him out of Haran. And then he and his family go on a journey to the promised land. And he's 76 years old when he enters into the promised land. And this is where he enters into the covenant with the Lord up in Shechem. Uh, and I just talked to our Olive Grove uh, contact in Israel, uh, and uh, we, uh, our friends in Malay Amos, Malay Amos, the home of the prophet Amos, that prophesies about the end times when Jews and Gentiles will come together and they'll plant vineyards and, and uh, trees and they'll never be uprooted from their land again. Well, we found that spot about six years ago to plant an olive grove where Amos would have prophesied this. It's in the land of Judea, just south of Bethlehem, where uh, David would have tended Jesse's sheep. But then the guy said that uh, in modern times, it's just too expensive now to maintain. They just take too much water, and you can't plant enough uh, per, they don't call it an acre there, it's something else. Uh, a what? Yeah, what she said. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, they're turn, they're going to change over to grapes, planting grape vines and, uh, I don't know if they're grape trees and to eat and make, uh, juice and wine. And we, we just wanted to stay away from the wine part because we didn't want people to think that we were sipping saints. <laughs> right. But he said, he said, there's a place in Shechem. 
that we can plant olive trees. And Shechem is where God spoke this promise uh, uh, in Genesis 12 to Abraham. And uh, Abraham was 76 years old when this happened. Uh, now, here's, uh, I know we usually don't do math in Torah, but here's some more math. If you add 76 to 1948, someone do that, what do you come up with? 2024. 2024 is when Abraham enters the promised land and God makes his covenant. In four years, we enter into 2024. I believe that just like in 1948, in 2024, our world will change significantly. Something miraculous is going to happen. Now, it's no coincidence, and we didn't understand this at the time, but if you were with us back in 2017, Pastor uh, was shown by the Lord uh, the prophecy of the seven years of fat. And God spoke to Pastor at that time, and he shared it on numerous occasions with us from the pulpit uh, in 2017 that we are going to enter into seven years of prosperity, seven years of victory, seven years of miracles, seven years of healings and breakthroughs. Amen? And if you add the seven years to 2017, you get... 2024. Something is happening in our world right now, and you and I are in a great spot because we're uh, we're near the spout where the glory's coming out. Amen. Amen. So in today's study on Abraham, he's born in 1948. But he also finds out why he was born. And that's talking about vision and purpose and destiny. And in Genesis 12, 1, one of the key scriptures in the Torah study, God said to Abram, he hadn't become Abraham yet, he was Abram, but he had a destiny. And God said to him, go out from your country, from your birthplace, from the home of your father to the land which I will show you. So God's plan for Abraham was to take the Torah to the world and become the father of many nations. But notice that the calling begins as a mystery in the sense that Abraham didn't know everything that God had planned for him. So he launched out in faith. This is why he's known as the father of our faith. He didn't need it all written down in advance before he stepped out in faith. Because really, that's not faith. Because you already knew. Abraham didn't know. But he had to leave his uh, familiar surroundings to a destination unknown. And it became the very first spiritual aliyah and physical aliyah any Jew has made to Israel. In the Bible, Abraham makes the first aliyah. That's returning. 
The end time prophecy is that Jews that have been dispersed and scattered to the four corners, God will bring them all back to the land of Israel. And we're helping to accomplish that. We're doing prophetic things with the olive grove, prophetic things with Aliyah. And the Lord is showing us that if you'll have faith in Him, this is a word for us today, if we'll trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding and acknowledge Him in all of our ways, then He'll lead us into the blessing. Amen? And that's what He did with Abraham. He brought Abraham to uh, the place where he would experience the best spiritual environment on earth. And what was true for Abraham is true for you and I. God has us on a journey and he's planted us in a place like New Beginnings because it is the best spiritual environment for you and I to blossom and flourish in our calling. Amen? Amen? And while we're right on the edge of the final millennium, the seventh millennium, right about as we're ready to hit 2024, I believe there's going to be a phenomenal outpouring of blessing and breakthrough on those that have this kind of revelation, this kind of faith and trust in Almighty God. You've got to understand that Genesis chapter 12 is the avos of blessings to the Jewish people. I will bless those who bless Israel. And even today that promise is true. Has that promise expired? Had an expiration date. Wasn't like a Twinkie. Twinkies have no expiration dates. Somebody did the experiment with the McDonald's stuff. I I don't know if it was true or not. They bought a McDonald's 30 years ago and put it away, and it still looks the same 30 years later. And we wonder why we have health issues. We're putting the wrong thing in our system. Put this in your spiritual system. When you bless Israel, you're releasing the most powerful promise that there is because it's the father of all blessings. Abraham's the father of all nations, and blessing Israel is the father of all blessings. Well, that's all Old Testament. Well, it is... But yet, in the New Testament, Paul talks about this, about how it's part of our Christian heritage. The, uh, last week, I wore that T-shirt, Christianity is Jewish. Sometimes people don't you know, get all nervous or don't understand it. L- look, our, our Messiah was Jewish, still is, as a matter of fact. <laughs> the resurrected Savior didn't change nationalities. I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> Jesus isn't from Baltimore. (laughs) He's from Jerusalem. Had Jewish mom and dad, right? And all these things. So we won't go into all of that. But Paul went into it in Galatians 3.9. This is uh, in your Bible. It says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Do you see that? Abraham's blessing is twofold. It's a spiritual blessing, 
the spirit of faith, the spirit of anointing, the spirit of being a world changer for Jesus Christ is part of our DNA. Come on, somebody. And it's also a physical blessing, which is the manifested blessing of God in your life. Abraham walked in the manifested blessing of God, and he experienced uh, uh, prosperity. He was the richest man in town. George Bailey. (laughs) The Hebrew word for blessing is baraka. Baraka. And one of the root meanings of this word baraka, blessing, is connected to a well or a spring. Spring up a well within my soul. Remember that? Well, you had to be uh, Assembly of God Pentecostal. In a biblical sense, spring water is referred to as living water. And it's symbolic of what Abraham was experiencing, a never-ending flow of God's blessing. Meaning that God would continually supply Abraham uh, with blessing, physically, spiritually. And God is saying through the Apostle Paul, you that put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, share in the same blessing that Abraham experienced through his faith. And that's the rub, isn't it? Through faith. Because we can't access the unlimited power and blessing of God if we got a bad attitude. Right? Can't be a rebellious spirit, a complaining spirit, a depressed spirit, a spirit that's filled with the wrong qualities of doubt and fear and walk in this. So we cast that out in the name of Jesus. We bind and rebuke every contrary force, every spirit of strife and confusion, every spirit of fear and doubt. We rebuke in the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we declare freedom over your life in Jesus' name. Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I want that. Who wants that? You enter into that by faith. Faith is looking beyond the natural circumstances. You walk by Faith and not by sight, not by feelings, not by emotions, not by past experience. Your faith is rooted not in your past experience, even though it might have been a tough one. I had a tough upbringing, but that I didn't have the worst of it. But I can't be rooted in that. When I became a new creation in Jesus Christ, I had to change my perceptions from being rooted and grounded in all the bad things that happened into being rooted and grounded into my father, uh, my heavenly father and the father of my faith, Abraham and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They define my destiny now. Doesn't mean at times we don't feel the pain of the past. But usually your flesh and the devil want to bring up those feelings to get you back into a funk. 
And uh, the last thing you need is the wrong momentum. You don't want to feel like you're going down into uh, uh, a uh, uh, whirlpool down the drain. You're drinking of living water. You're not dying by flushing water. (laughs) So it's our responsibility to reproduce spiritual faith, biblical faith. Romans 4.12 calls Abraham the father of our faith. Romans 1.17 emphasizes that the righteous will live by faith. Romans 12.3 says each of us have been given the measure of faith. Romans 10.17 teaches faith is developed by constant hearing of the word of God. How do I grow and strengthen my faith? Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Write that on your chalkboard 500 times. Amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is a spiritual substance. And it's given by God. And it creates an attitude or a mindset, an expectation that if I trust in God in His Word, no matter what the circumstances look like, God's Word is yes and amen. God said it, that settles it. That's our evidence, right? There's contrary evidence everywhere. But our evidence isn't based on Fox News or CNN or the doctor's office or the bank. Our evidence is based on the B-I-B-L-E. Read and study and learn. I'm saying that to my little grandson because that's my little phrase. Hi, little grandson. Read and study and learn. He's five months, so hopefully he gets it. Don't wait until you're 50 to get that. All right. Romans 4 teaches that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised would come to pass. Every day is a day that you and I need to persuade ourselves despite all the contrary evidence. And this chapter teaches us a divine principle of learning to call those things that be not as though they were. Amen. Amen. So the habit that we get into is declaring the word of God to the mountains in our life. Before we learn to walk by faith, we would get others around us and declare to them that the mountain of problems in our life is overwhelming us. But you don't speak to others about your mountains, you speak to the mountain about the power of your God. That's faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. 1 Timothy 6.12 says we are to fight the good fight of faith. Ephesians 6 teaches our faith is a shield that protects us from every fiery dart of the enemy. James 2 teaches our faith uh, to be effective requires corresponding action. Don't just be hearers, be what? Doers. Amen. 
Galatians 5 says, faith is activated by love, and love is our charitable giving. Amen? And Luke 8.18, Jesus asked that when I return, will I find faith on the earth? So faith is a huge aspect of our Christianity. And God has you in a good place. Because we teach principles of faith. We cover these things. You can just feel the spirit of faith coming from Pastor Larry. And it drives out doubt. It drives out fear. It drives out objections and arguments. Bellyache and complaining. We don't walk by complaining. We walk by faith. Come on, somebody. It's a big part of our journey, and it's a huge lesson because Abraham is the father of our faith. This explains the Jewish phenomenon, this force of faith. How do the Jews, despite all the persecution, despite all the genocide, despite all of the attacks through the generations, how do they keep rising up again? Because they have faith. That what God said in his book is true, right? The New Testament didn't invent faith, right? It just extrapolates it. So we need to matriculate (laughs) to that spirit of faith in our lives and rise above what's going on. The world system's always going to try to pull you down. The world system is always going to try to convince you there's not enough to go around. That's one of the big lies in politics these days. There's not enough to go around. They've got too much. They need to give it to you because what they have shouldn't be right. And so it's based on the philosophy there's not enough to go around. But you and I don't serve a God that doesn't have enough to go around. We serve an unlimited God. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He is Jehovah Jireh, who will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. We have a covenant with that God. And that covenant began with Abraham. And that's a biblical covenant of unlimited supply. In Genesis 15, God connects Abraham to the vision of unlimited blessing by showing him the stars in the sky. It wasn't cloudy that day. (laughs) And this was a faith-building exercise. you got to have tricks of the trade, folks. Because the devil will always send people to shipwreck your faith. They will get you into a pity party before you know it, and the next thing you know, you're looking for volume. Where's my Oxycontin? You just want to stare, desensitize yourself from all of that. You need to realize, look, I can help you, but I can't help you with a spirit of doubt, a spirit of, uh, of lack of faith, unbelief. I, I, we need to transition into a spirit of faith. Say this, I believe God can meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Write that on your chalkboard 500 times. The Humash says that when God took Abraham outside to see the stars, 
He took him outside the realm of logic and natural reasoning. Isn't that something? Paul had something to say about casting down vain imaginations, logic, and reasoning. That's the fight of faith. Because your flesh is always going to spring up and try to tell you why it can't work. Why you don't have enough. Oh, poor me. Pitiful me. That doesn't move the hand of God. God doesn't move because he feels sorry for you. He moves because you rise up in confidence, in faith, that what he said is true. And come heaven or high water, come hell or high water, that's what I'm going to believe. Let God take us outside the realm of natural thinking, natural feelings. It's natural to feel hurt when someone does you wrong. It's natural to feel all of those negative feelings. But what's natural is not what you're called to. You're called to supernatural. So recognize where you're being led, and if you realize, "Uh uh-oh, natural alert, heebie-jeebie alert. In verse 9, God instructed Abraham to seal the vision uh, and the promises with a sacrificial offering. This is another example for us today. The unlimited blessing of Abraham starts with being a blessing. Okay? Our offering seals what God wants to do. It's an act of faith. You know, we don't pass the buckets right now because of, you know, COVID-19. But however you sow your offering today, sow it in faith. Sow it with the idea, Father, as I plant this seed in uh, your kingdom today, I thank you, you are releasing an unlimited supply of blessing and breakthrough over my life. Let me say that again. I release a supply of blessing and breakthrough over my life. And if you have to say it 20 times before you start generating the right feeling about where you're at in life, keep saying it, keep praying it, keep praising it, and thanking God for it. And if you have to, do a little binding and loosening. Start rebuking the devourer for a change. Start binding the spirit of poverty. Start binding the spirit of lack and shortage. Stop buying, start binding that mentality. I cast that mentality out of my life. And if you're voting for a politician that's trying to convince you there's never enough to go around, rebuke him too. Amen. Amen. I came across an amazing article by Gloria Copeland over the weekend, uh, Seven Keys to Making the Supernatural Your Natural. Seven Keys to Making the Supernatural Your Natural. You can find it online. I was going to print it out, but the article's too long. They'd still be printing copies. <laughs> I think we got it down to six pages. But uh, she was sharing how back in 1977, she was in a Brother Hagen meeting. And Brother Hagen gave her a prophecy that changed her life. I don't think it was a prophecy given directly to her, but just in, in the, the meeting. 
And I took notice of this uh, because back when Lydia and I gave our lives to the Lord, uh, Brother Hagen came to our church several times. And uh, I can remember it was either a two or three day uh, revival he held. It just changed my life too and inspired me to, to pursue this life of faith. And so uh, Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland really had a big influence on our life and helped us build a foundation of living by faith. And so Brother Hagen, she wrote some of the prophecy down as she recalled it. She prof- uh, he prophesied that the church, quote, will rise up as a spiritual giant. And there shall be a release of power in our day and in our age that man has not seen before. Men upon this earth shall walk and talk and act like God. And those who know their God in these days will be strong and do exploits. There is an army of the Lord being raised up who will know and and do their rights and privileges in Christ Jesus and appropriate unto themselves that which has already been given. Amen. When she heard that, and when I read that prophecy this weekend, uh, it took me back. But it still reminds me, even to this day, I wake up every day craving that kind of attitude and mentality, that kind of spirit. God, I thank you, you are raising me up as part of your army that will do exploits. We will do great things in your name. We'll accomplish great things. We'll triumph over every enemy. We will defeat every spirit of darkness, every spirit that's trying to block our blessing and we will appropriate things in our lives for my family, for my friends, for my church, for my nation that have already been given. Amen? That takes a decision, right? That's something you have to put into practice. You can't get to that point uh, 60 minutes on a Sunday and then go uh, and spend the other 168 hours or 167 hours living a different way. Your whole life has to be caught up into this. Amen? And that's what we ought to be aiming for as believers. Daniel 11.32 says, The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. How many of you want to do exploits today? Amen? Well, Gloria writes in her article, Seven Keys to Make the Supernatural Your Natural, she gives us some prerequisites. And the prerequisite one is know your power source. The beginning point is that you and I, we need to know God and the power of his resurrection. We we can't just know about him means we need an intimate relationship with the Lord. We're listening all day. We're, we're, our prayers never stop, right? We're, we're in love with his word, in love with his presence, in love with his people, in love with building the kingdom. And that power source emanates from love. How many of you love the Lord today with all your heart and strength and soul?
Number two, be filled with the spirit of greater works. When uh, Just before Jesus ascended, he gave the uh, disciples and apostles instructions to wait in Jerusalem until he sent the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit because I want to endue you with power. He also said, Jesus said in John 14, 12, greater works will you do. Come on, somebody. These are the exploits, the greater works. Jesus was a world changer, and he baptizes you and I with the Holy Ghost and fire so that we can be world changers, and that happens when we're filled with the Spirit. Number three, believe that with God all things are possible. Right? Matthew 19, 26. With God, all things are possible. All the biblical heroes of faith had their hopes and dreams and life anchored on the promise that I serve a God that can do all things. Amen? And I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. Trust in the Lord, not in natural circumstances. I'm going to declare there's no devil that can stop me, no man that can stop me. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got a vision and calling up from the Lord. He's anointed and endued me with power. I can't lose with the stuff I use. Number four, become a faith giant. Jesus was asked, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And he, uh, he gave this answer, this is the work of God, that you believe on him he hath sent. How is that work? Believing and walking by faith takes work. Because you got to fight off the devil. That scripture in Genesis 15, when Abraham offered the sacrifice, we didn't get into it, but the birds of prey came. And you can read about that in Genesis 15. The birds of prey came. That's symbolic of the devil coming, seeking whose blessing he can steal. And he may do it in many ways, but he's not going to do it in, in our house. As for me and my house, we rebuke the devil. We give offerings to God that sow seed that grows into a great harvest. That's what we believe. So become a faith giant. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's only by faith that what you're hoping for will manifest into reality. And sometimes that fight of faith gets exhausting. And we don't want to put up our dukes anymore. And so we exchange walking by faith by walking with complaining or walking to seek pity. That ain't going to cut it. Right? You're not going to get where you want to be, so don't go down that path. Rise up in faith. Say, Father, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing. Today is a new day. Today is a great time for a new beginning. In this worship and praise today as I'm at church, uh, fill me with a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and power. Build and strengthen my faith. You ought to say that while you're worshiping. A lot of times you can be in there worshiping just mimicking the words and they don't they don't mean anything to you 
Well, then you substitute your own words. <laughs> and if you have to, just pray in tongues for three and a half minutes. Worship the Lord in a language you never learn and sing to the Lord in the Spirit and get filled with the Holy Ghost and power and become a faith giant. Number five, attend to God's Word. We know that. Number six, soar in the Spirit. You can't soar with the eagles if you're always scratching with the turkeys. There's things that are holding you back. What are they? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, lay aside every weight and sin that holds you down. If you're not soaring and experiencing the exhilaration that comes with living by faith, then a lot of times something's holding you back. Holy Spirit, show me what's holding me back. And then once he tells you what's holding you back, bind that thing in the name and by the blood and rebuke that thing 30 days if necessary. This is how we thrive and not just survive. Number seven, the final thing from Gloria's article, put your foot on the promise. Lay hold of some promises. Don't pray with maybe in your heart. Pray with confidence. How do I get that confidence? By studying the word. By being determined. Have you ever been determined? Have you ever had that spirit of determination? Of resolve? Of just a conviction? A perseverance in your life? I'm going to have this thing by gosh. Sometimes you have just got to, well, I'll say it for, for me. Sometimes you just got to get a white knuckler going. <laughs> Hadn't seen Lydia get a white knuckler yet. <laughs> Whatever it takes, right? Find out what works for you, but find it. Amen? Because that's what God desires. He desires for us to get into the supernatural, to walk by faith, to believe God, so that that prophecy that Brother Hagen gave to uh, when Gloria was there in 70, it can still be true today. You and I are called to do exploits, and we're going to see that happen in these last days. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen this morning? Give the Lord a praise.